Hey guys, it's Mike with Here's Me Podcast. This is episode four, uh, back by popular demand. I got Brandon from Massachusetts coming in. Hey Brandon, what's up? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Happy to be back. Uh, this time I'm not torturing you with this horror. So we're good. We're good. Yeah, we, we improved the audio a little bit. That was one of the major feedback points. And, and thank you guys again for all the feedback I've gotten. Again, positive or negative, I listen to all of it and I take all of it in and it's really helpful. Uh, so... Part of the reason that I, I wanted Brandon to be on this one other than his popularity was uh, this is one I think that's close home to him. Uh, we're going to go chapter four here, guys. And as we know, Robert calls it lesson four. And for those of you, I, by now you know, but we're reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, really has already changed my life, and uh, I want to share some of it with you guys. So lesson four, the history of taxes and the power of corporations. My rich dad just played the game smart. And he did it through corporations, the biggest secret of the rich. So he says it a couple of times, the biggest secret of the rich. And then before I go into the summary, guys, there's two things I want to do. Like we did last time, I want to go through a few term definitions. Uh, so first is 1031. Uh, that's the jargon for Section 1031 of the Internal Revenue Code, which allows a seller to delay paying taxes on a piece of real estate that is sold for capital gain through an exchange for a mere expensive piece of real estate. So to make that more simplified, what you can do through 1031 is if you have a piece of real estate, rather than paying that the taxes on buying a whole new piece, you can trade it and you more or less just pay the difference of the worth. Does that make sense? People do it too when they trade in cars. Um, the next one is corporation. Uh, and what it really is, is merely a legal document. It creates a legal body without a soul. It's just an idea, but it's it's documentation. It's not a, a actual building or evil factory or whatever you think corporation would be or a group of people. Um, and using it, the wealth of the rich is protected. So more or less what it lets you do is it exists outside of your own finances. So there's no risk on the person, the individual in a corporation, the corporation one that takes the, the blame, the credit, et cetera. So that's one way to kind of distance yourself from liability. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, next one is financial IQ, financial intelligence that comes as a result of financial education. People with high financial IQ learn to use other people's money to become rich. And the last one here, we've seen it before, but financial literacy the ability to read and understand financial statements, which allows you to identify the strengths and weaknesses of any business. And this is something, guys, that we can we can constantly be working on and even maybe do it, you know, for practice. Think about whatever job you have now and throw it in there uh, and just kind of look around your surroundings and use that as an example. Right. Brandon, you have anything to add to those before we get reading? Uh, no, I'm good, man. I'm ready to rock. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So the first, again, I, you guys, you know, I usually do the summary, but when there's a story that really grabs me or a point I want to fully illustrate, I'm going to read it just kind of word for word. So um, this is Robert's words at the beginning of the chapter. I remember in school being told the story of Robin Hood and his merry men. My teacher thought it was a wonderful story of a romantic hero who robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. My rich dad, dad did not see Robin Hood as a hero. He called Robin Hood a crook. And he says, Robin Hood may be long gone, but his followers live on. I often still hear people say, why don't the rich pay for it? Or the rich should pay more in taxes and give it to the poor. It is this Robin Hood fantasy, or taking from the rich to give to the poor, that has caused the most pain for the poor and the middle class. The reason the middle class is so heavily taxed is because of the Robin Hood ideal. The reality is, is that the rich are not taxed. 
it's the middle class, especially the educated upper income middle class who pays for the poor. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a, that's one of those tough pills to swallow. Um, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, it is, that's a tough one. It is like, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, I've, you know, you know this, and I don't, I don't think I've said this yet. Uh, I don't think I've shared this with the audience yet, but um, I've done a lot of studying on moral philosophy. A big thing for me is do not violate other people's rights. You know, Mm -hmm. do not aggress against someone. Robin Hood, whether he's kind of like, I always loved this story growing up, but I'm, I'm at the point now where I go like, you know what? I don't know, man. Stealing from anybody, you know, is, is aggression. It's, uh, it's really, it's, it's, you know, it's not, um, it's, uh, it's just violating ethics. And I, I don't know, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, stealing your own bike back, but that's not really what it is. It's like Robin Hood's a thief and he's a robber. And then he justifies it by giving money to poor people. Um, I just think it's romanticizing, you know, it's romanticizing the whole notion of being poor, like, and almost like automatically denigrating rich people. Like we don't know, man, some, a lot of rich people don't even know how hard they work, you know? Right. Well, what was the main, well, who was the evil character in that? I don't even remember, but like, obviously they made him to be like a complete sleazeball. Um, I think Alan Rickman might've played it actually in the, in the live version. Yeah, is that yeah, yeah, is that is that yeah. his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. He, he's rest in peace and he was also uh oh man, I'm gonna get hurt for this one, but uh Die Hard, he was the main villain. I can't remember the name right now. Um you'd know him though, Alan Rickman, but yeah. yeah. Um anyway, yeah, so no, thank you for that. And then he goes on to say, again, to understand fully how things happen, we need to look at the history of taxes. Although my highly educated dad was an expert on the history of education. My rich dad fashioned himself as an expert on the history of taxes. And a lot of this, guys, was eye-opening to me. And some of you might none how this went, and some of you might not. So he says, rich dad explained to Mike and me that originally in England and America, there were no taxes. Occasionally, there were temporary taxes levied in order to pay for wars. The king or the president would put the word out and ask everyone to, they do it in quotes, chip in. Taxes were levied in Britain for the first fight against Napoleon from 1799 to 1816 and in America to pay for the Civil War from 61 to 65. In 74, England made income tax a permanent levy on its citizens. In 1913, an income tax became permanent in the United States with the adoption of the 16th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. At one time, as we know, Americans were anti-tax. It had been the tax on tea that had led to the famous Tea Party in Boston Harbor, an incident that helped ignite the Revolutionary War. And I know this is one, this is one you you had mentioned to me before, Brandon. Do you remember the percent that it was? It wasn't it some like super small percent that we basically went to war over. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually just had this conversation a little bit ago with my mom. Is um, you know, she I said something about taxes, and she goes, you know, there's um, there's plenty of other countries you could go live in. And I, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, thank you very much. You know, when it comes down to it, I'm like, what happened to that spirit? You know, what happened to that spirit? I'm not anti-tax. I totally understand the need for him. But the whole idea was you know, whatever it was, 5%, right? 
5%, let's call it. I think it was something along those lines that low, yeah. not lower, less than 5%. Yeah, it might have been less than that, yeah. And we'll have to check that. The th- right, right. The thing is, though, um, what happened to that principle, man? What happened to that? Because it, it really is It's based on a principle. It's not the notion of, you know, X is bad. The whole idea was no representation, right? That was the problem. It was no taxation without representation. It didn't matter if it was 2%, 5%, or 20 The The fact is, they don't know what we're, they're being taxed for. And this is a funny yeah. thing. Nowadays, we're getting taxed at, you know, ungodly amounts compared to that. And again, we don't know what we're being taxed for. That's my only qualms with the with the whole thing. You know, that's that's my only problems with it. And I think I'm not alone, man. I know I'm not alone. In fact, I know you think the same way. (laughs) No. Yeah. In in fact, I think I'll probably read it here soon. But Robert mentioned something like most of us work through like April or May in taxes for our year. Does that make sense, guys? So like four to five months of your your working year is just going to taxes before you make a dime. It's June. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It was three. I looked it up. It was three pennies on a pound of tea. So I don't know what that converts to. And it doesn't sound like a lot. Cause you could, how much is a pound of tea? That sounds like a ton of tea. It's so light, but. So wait, so is it, well, yeah, but they had, remember they had uh, pounds was like, they had pennies and they had pounds, right? Wasn't pound a British pound. I don't know. It says uh, it didn't force the colonists to pay a tax of three pennies to every pound of tea. So I think they're talking about a pound of tea. Okay. 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 Because I'm thinking three pennies on a pound. Does that mean three cents? I don't know. Do we ever have (laughs) three pence? Yeah. Anyway, we'll get get off topic. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three pence. Yeah. So it says uh, beyond that. So it helped ignite the Revolutionary War. Three pence, right? It took approximately 50 years in both England and the United States to sell the idea of a regular income tax. This next part, guys. Super important to listen to um, and very eye-opening for me. So what these historical dates fail to reveal is that both these taxes were initially levied against only the rich. It was this point that Rich Dad wanted Mike and me to understand. He explained that the idea of taxes was made popular and accepted by the majority by telling the poor and the middle class that taxes were created only to punish the rich. Propaganda, guys. What we had just went to freaking war for a major war for like what? Let's see, not even two hundred. Let's see. When it became, it wasn't even two hundred, like one hundred and fifty-ish years, I guess. But uh, when the, it became uh, the Sixteenth Amendment, they between that time, we're now saying, oh well, well, let's get the rich to pay for all this, right? We'll have them pay for it. But this is what happened. This is how the masses voted for the law. And it became constitutionally legal. Although it was intended to punish the rich, in reality, it wound up punishing the very people who voted for it, the poor and the middle class. So this is the and this is the biggest point. Once government got a taste of money, its appetite grew, said Rich Dad. Your dad and I are exactly opposite. He's a government bureaucrat and I'm a capitalist. We get paid and our success is measured on opposite behaviors. Okay. He gets paid to spend money and hire people, right? Grow. The more he spends, the more people he hires. The larger his organization becomes. In the government, a large organization is respected. On the other hand, within my organization, the fewer people I hire and the less money I spend, the more I'm respected by my investors. 
That's why I don't like government people, he says. They have different objectives than most business people. As the government grows, more and more tax dollars are needed to support it. Ooh, what do you think about that? So, so a couple things there, right? So this, this, um, you know, again, this notion of taking money from people because you think that they, uh, I don't know, man, I don't know what it is. They don't deserve it. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's what it comes down to is they didn't earn it. You know, it was passed down to them as well. I I do see a problem with a lot of that. And I think you and I have touched on that in the past where we've gone, you know, I think we talked about the you. I think you actually told me this is in the old uh, in the old days in Rome, when someone died, it was kind of against the status quo, or it was seen as shameful to go to the grave with all this money. Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. Right. Tell tell that story. Tell that because I know you can tell it better than me. Yeah. So more or less in that time period, uh, a man was still measured by his, his wealth, like what he did with his life. But at the same time, he wasn't supposed to take anything with him. Um, he was supposed to have done these great works and made donations. And maybe, maybe you make a statue or a big building or something, but that was it. He was supposed to go back to the earth the way he came penniless, right? Or coinless, I guess they probably had, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah that was seen as a, as a thing of stature, and a little bit. You see, a couple people starting to head that way. I mean, we've talked a couple times about Bill Gates. We won't get into the political side of it, but like that's kind of lately seems like his goal, and 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 that angle of him, I definitely uh, support. I think that's kind of cool. The philanthropic nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know what the answer is because I do see generational wealth and being passed down. You know, look, look at what we're talking about. So much of this is, uh, you know, the ability to gain assets as much as possible and then let those assets accrue interest. Right. Right. So at, at a certain point in of, as far as wealth goes, I mean, you could literally sit around and do nothing and you are richer than everybody else, man. Or, you know, wealthier at least. Right, 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 right. So I don't know what the answer is there. But again, I I do. I I think as far as close as we're going to get to an answer is do not violate principles, which is to take away uh, from anybody just because they have more than you. I think when we do away with those the the principles those hard and fast rules there doesn't have to be you know a a a saying they have is um once you get rid of the big rules you end up with a million small ones don't get rid of those big rules leave those in place and then we don't then we don't have like all these small regulations and craziness going on Mm. and um you know look at the tax code right so the tax code is like, you know, you have to hire someone who specializes in it to even understand it. It's like probably miles worth of uh, paper, literally, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I, I just, you know, I, this, uh, this is, um, yeah, I just, I uh, revolt against this to a, to well, a great degree. What do you, what do you think? No, I agree. And I, I think for the purpose of this book and what Robert's trying to get into our heads is, he's more focused on the side and he's going to talk about corporations here in a second of how to get around these now around these taxes and why, and how the rich do it um, through corporations is one way, but right. Also to the greater point of things is, you know, if you're somebody more passionate about the whole system being flawed, like Brandon's describing, it's still a great idea to follow this 
rather than try to play outside of it because you don't want to be part of the race because what's the golden rule? You guys remember? He who has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> right. So, right. so think about that. If you want to make change, this is still a place that you want to be gaining information from because the bigger your kingdom, the more you can affect, right? I, I fully agree with you, man. I think, um, you know, look, if you're uh... – if you're being, you know, if you're under the thumb of anybody at any time, uh, whatever way you can revolt against that, you do it. So whether it's forming your own corporation, you know, do your do a sole proprietorship, even if you're a, um, you know, even if you're just a, a an individual that's making an income from whatever means, go for it, go for it. I fully agree. I just, you know, I'm a little guilty of looking at the macro. Um, to a to a great degree and um, you know maybe maybe focusing on that uh, a little bit more than even the micro which is you know uh, call it a fault call it a blessing it's a little bit of both but absolutely do what you can and the main thing is self-improvement here the main thing is self-improvement the main thing is improvement of your own wealth status your own financial status and this is as of right now this is the best way we know about do we we know how to do that and um just keep focusing, guys. Keep fighting. That's the main thing. Yeah, Look, and, and like we talked about last chapter, uh, start small. You know, and, and what Robert said exactly. in the last chapter, mind your business. Doesn't mean quit your day job today. You know, some of you might find a great plan to do that. But for a lot of us, doesn't mean quit your day job, but it does mean start your own business. Where's your business? Is it? Are you right. an entrepreneur? Are you going to get into some stocks, into some private investments? Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, don't, and don't lose sight of the macro but definitely focus on the micro focus on your life. And like Mike said, focus on your business, mind your own business. You know, you have to, you absolutely have to. I love it, dude. Yeah. You as you guys can tell this, this chapter, we're both very passionate about, and uh, I am going to keep going because I want to talk about some of the stuff with the corporations. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is jump into more of the summary. Um, so stuff will be going by a little bit faster and then we'll talk about some keynotes on the end. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So the last point he made was that the government, as the government grows, so does the amount of tax dollars needed to support it. And then it says, poor dad sincerely believed the government should help people. He and Robert's mom worked for the Peace Corps, training volunteers to go to Malaysia, Thailand, and the Philippines. They were always seeking more grants and budget increases so they could hire more people. For Robert, it was a challenge to work for one of the biggest capitalists in town and go home to a prominent government leader. It wasn't easy to know which dad to believe. But over time, as Robert studied the history of taxes, he saw an interesting perspective. As the government's appetite for money grew, taxes soon needed to be levied on the middle class. And from there, it kept trickling down. That's what we were talking about. Now we're all getting taxed, right? Right. But the rich saw an opportunity because why? They don't play by the same set of rules. Corporations, which became popular in the days of sailing ships, we're talking about sailing cargo guys it were these corporations were already existing offered a way around taxes understanding the legal corporate structure gave the rich a steep advantage and allowed them to outsmart the intellectuals part of why it's so tough and why we have to focus like this and communicate and educate ourselves like this guys because a lot of us haven't even been playing the same game we we're not even in the game that they're playing we haven't been given access to it so you got to find your way to cut into that, cut into that game and then start to grow. Then you start to learn and don't be afraid to fail. Right. Like we talked about. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So again, I love that. Understanding the legal corporate structure gave the rich a steep advantage and allowed them to outsmart the intellectuals. Because what did we say? What was our one? What was our definition? Financial IQ. That's different than IQ, guys. Financial IQ is its whole own thing, and that's what we're working on. So the government ideal is to avoid having excess money budgets, right? If you fail to spend your allotted funds, you risk losing it in the next budget. Business people, on the other hand, are rewarded for having excess money and are applauded for their efficiency. And as the government continued its ideal and spent more and more money, more taxes, this is the time on the middle class and then eventually the poor, or more, more taxes, this time on the middle class and eventually the poor were needed. Does that make sense? So rich started. Now, hey, we need a little bit from you guys. So they started cutting the top of the middle class and then the whole middle class. And then, you know, they're probably the higher poor and then everybody now. And it continues today. If those who get up and go to work at their jobs and pay taxes could only understand the way the rich play the game, they could too. The problem is the harder you work in a job, the more you must pay the government. Taxes end up punishing the very people who voted them in, right? Because it was a bamboozle, man, from the start. And I'm not saying there wasn't good intentions, right? But look, this is what we're talking about. What Brandon was talking about before, it's hard to not get passionate about this. Because at a certain point, you got to look like they're digging in your pocket, guys. And wh yeah. what do we got to show for it? Yeah, yeah. And and this is actually uh, what you just said before before uh, that about, you know, the government digging in your po pocket and, and the passion. Um you know, we're all guilty of this in a sense. And what I mean by that is we are all guilty of thinking, oh, it will happen to them and not us. And again, I'm harping on this principle thing, right? Mm -hmm. Over and over again. I've, I've said it probably three times now. But um, again, man, if we don't act with principles, we tend to treat other people a different way than we want to be treated. And we, and we like to think they can, you know, they, they uh, get isolated or they, we can isolate them. Oh, this will happen. You know, let's make it for the rich. It won't ever happen to us. No. Then it creeps. It creeps. The bracket for that taxation goes lower and lower. Pretty soon it engulfs the middle class. Now we have a shrinking middle class. You know what it makes me think of? Sorry to cut you off, but you no, go on, go on. do you remember that there's a cartoon? It was, uh, it was like a, it was some kind of political cartoon, but it's like, a, like three guys in a boat and like one guy's side of the boat is sinking and the two guys on the other side would be like, Oh, I'm glad I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, man. I, I think, um, you know, we do it a lot divided along a lot of lines, whether it's wealth, whether it's race, and, uh, you know, whether it's ethnicity or country, all of it, you know, um, I mean, we consistently are remain divided and tend to think that it will happen to them and not us. And again, it's not we, a lot of what uh, the policies are or a lot of what our actions are are not based on principle. And that's a main problem right there, you know, because, look, if we had just said, you know what, taxation is technically wrong. In, you know, I mean, you want to look at it in the in the base. It's a necessary evil. It's the it's the tragedy of the commons that, that they speak about in philosophy. Yeah. Uh, but but the main thing is, again, back to the revolution representation. When's the last time we got a uh, 
you know, a spreadsheet back from the government when we paid taxes saying, oh, this is what all that money went towards. And we're very thankful for your uh, contribution. You know, I, I have yet to receive one of those. So I don't know about you. <laughs> no. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I, Robert does come off here as pretty anti um, anti-government, I guess you could say, in the way of the taxes. But the points he, ma- he makes, at least for now, is other people are taking advantage of these loopholes. And so should you. Um, right. Right. And, and for that, that's more the focus of the chapter. But all all very good points, because we're, we talk a lot, me and Brandon, about congruency, right? Being congruent or being doing what you're saying in all things. Right. So that applies here with the principles that he's talking about. Absolutely. Man. So let me go on. So um, last thing we said was taxes end up punishing the very people who voted them in. So attempts to punish the rich rarely work because the rich find ways to minimize their tax burden. One such way is section 1031, we talked about in our definitions, of the Internal Revenue Code, which allows a seller to delay paying taxes on a piece of real estate that is sold for a capital gain through an exchange for a more expensive piece of real estate. Think about like trading in your cars, right? You don't pay that sales tax except for the difference. So think about that. As long as you keep trading up in value, you won't be taxed on the gains until you liquidate, which could be when? Never? I don't know. Years down the line, once you've made a ton of profit. (laughs) <laughs> those who don't take advantage of these savings are missing a chance to build their asset column. Biggest point of the chapter, probably. And all the years rich dad was guiding Robert, he was trying to teach him that knowledge is power. That's what we're working on. And with money comes great power and the, and with money comes great power that requires the right knowledge to keep it and make it multiply, which is exactly what the people that we talked about with hitting those windfalls, hitting the lottery, hitting the big pros and suddenly getting an influx of cash. That's what they are not getting given is that intelligence, that financial intelligence. Without that right. knowledge, the world pushes you around. Now, I like this right. one. The tax man is a bully who will always take more if you let him. Don't let him by making your money work for you. I like that. I like visualizing him as a bully, like trying to take your lunch money. Yeah. <laughs> Smart tax consultants and attorneys are worth their cost. Here's another one, guys, and, I, and I'll probably talk about this multiple times professionals are usually worth it. If you can afford a professional, they're there for a reason. They're not BS. The the rich are using those professionals. So why wouldn't you, right? You can always at least get some information, you know, do your research beforehand. But a lot of the time you got to drop that ego and think, and me and Brandon have talked about this. You got to drop that ego and think, what are the odds that you, you know, maybe you're, Maybe you, you're a chef or something. What are the odds? And you might be a hard worker and a very intelligent person. But what are the odds that you know more than a guy who went to school and lived his life to memorize these codes and find these tax breaks? And There's no way. There's no way. And if, if you start to put the fees that he charges against, you know, what you gain back, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. It's a no-brainer, guys. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, it says here, so smart tax consultants and attorneys are worth their cost as it's still cheaper than paying the government. Good point. It's expensive not to know the law. It's another great point from Robert. Um, so here's a little bit of an anecdote about his, uh, his time at Xerox. So in his mid-20s, when he was just out of the Marine Corps and working for Xerox, Robert was disappointed about how much was taken out of his paychecks. It motivated him to form his first corporation in 1974 and work harder at his day job to amass as much money as possible to invest in real estate. 
I don't know if it mentions it here. Oh, it does. He became one of the top salesmen at Xerox and in less than three years was making more in his real estate holding corporation than he was at Xerox. So he didn't even take this, like we talked about before, keep your day job, mind your business. He didn't go, oh, I'm so sick of working here. You're totally, I got to start investing and get out of this rat race. He's going like, yes, that's true. I'm going to double down and be the best at my job as I can possibly be so I can get the heck out of here earlier, right? Right. What are we always saying, man? We're always talking double dipping, triple dipping, dude. Getting as much as you can uh, at any given moment in time. Yeah, and, and like for, you know, some of us, we, we might get little breaks in the day. Maybe you get a chance to pop your earphones in. You know, I'd love it if this podcast was what was in your ear, but any financial information, like learning, any knowledge you can get, double down. You're getting paid to learn if you do that, right? Find little times 100%. in the day and don't make the excuses. 100%. So uh, he says he le- the lessons he learned from Rich Dad helped him break out of the proverbial rat race at an early age, and he wants to help others do the same, which is why he wrote this. Financial IQ or financial intelligence is what makes that possible. And this is cool. This is something probably worth writing down, guys, but it's made up of four things. Accounting, which is financial literacy or the ability to read numbers and evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of any business. Investing, the science and strategies of money making, um, money making money. So the science and strategies of money making money. Understanding markets, the science of supply and demand and market conditions and the law. Tax advantages and protections. And this is where, unless you specialize in a specific field, this is where school, I think, is not not to give us an excuse, but where a school has failed a lot of us. Well, you know, a lot of us don't get an accounting class, uh, an investing class, an understanding markets class. You might get an economics class, you know, here and there. But, you know, this, what does it say? The science of strategies of money making money, the science of supply and demand and market conditions, right? You, you guys could become scientists of the financial world, right? And you can do it. You have all the information out there in, the, in books like this and in podcasts. And you just got to reach out and grab it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of absurd. that I find it the same. I find it absurd that it's an elective. Yeah, These are electives. That's a good way of putting it. We're talking about electives here. I mean, we're talking about – I mean, I did, I did uh, actually opt into – a business class, but we, you know, funny enough, we're watching Donald Trump on the apprentice for real yeah. every, every Friday, every Friday, but you know, we didn't even delve into this so much, you know, and this is the really important stuff. Um, you know, look, conspiracy theories abound. I'm sure some people think that, you know, that's, it's kind of rigged against you and it very well might be, but regardless, the knowledge is out there. We're getting it now. And the beauty is guys, you know, you could take matters into your own hands if you really wanted to um, and you you wanted to, you know, homeschool your kids. Do it. Do it, man. That's a smart, you know, that's a smart route. Make it make it happen the right way and do it, you know. But there's another option, too. That is, you know, strive to change the system. Strive to make the system work for you instead of you having to work for the system. Right. And, that, and like we said about golden rule, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that's and that's what the road we're on man, is uh, is uh, gain that power through wealth. Really, that's that's one of the main things. OK, guys, we got a couple more paragraphs and then we'll uh, we'll rapid fire some of the key points from Robert. Um, so we got a little bit more to go here. So uh, after we just talked about financial IQ, understanding those legal advantages is profound when it comes to long term wealth. 
For instance, a corporation can pay expenses before taxes, whereas an employee gets taxed first and must try to pay expenses on what is left. That's a big one. Board meetings in Hawaii, car payments, and insurance, and even health club memberships can be pre-tax expenses for a corporation. Something to keep in mind, guys. Oh, it's a business lunch. You know, write it off. <laughs> Corporations also offer legal protection from lawsuits. When someone sues a wealth, here we go. When someone sues a wealthy individual, they are often met with layers of legal protection and often find that the wealthy person actually owns nothing. They control everything but own nothing. Right? Think about that, dude. Robert urges yeah. those with their own legitimate assets to find out more about corporations' benefit and protections. And then he mentions a gentleman, and I, this might be a future book for us, is Garrett Sutton's books are among many that can help. So that's Robert's suggestion. I don't know much about him. Have you read any of him, uh, Brandon? No, no, I haven't actually. But uh, yeah, that's a good suggestion. I think we might uh, we might take that. In that might be our next book. So uh, he does a little summary here. He says, uh, business owners with corporations, they first they earn, then they spend, then they pay their taxes. Employees earn, pay their taxes, and then they spend, right? Which one of those sounds better? <laughs> I'd yeah. want to spend yeah. first, well, right? Some experience. I've had some experience with this. Like I said, I, you know, I run a sole proprietorship. I had a, a couple employees. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a world of difference. You know, I mean, of course, you're still, you still want to manage your money properly, Um but you, you know, you can't be going out and buying whatever you want, whenever you want. I mean, I know some people that have written off ridiculous things for, on their businesses and I don't advise that and nor do I do that. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a strategy that you should uh, do your best to employ, you know? Yeah. And that's where, and that's something we're getting into a little bit of a gray area um, as far as what information we've gotten from the book so far, but I would probably say uh, that's where the financial advisor probably comes in key. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is, I'm going to go through like we have Robert's little brain moments. So left hemisphere moment. Accounting is financial literacy or the ability to read numbers. This is a vital skill if you want to build an empire. The more money you're responsible for, the more accuracy is required or the house comes tumbling down. So again, that's where professional accountants and stuff. And like we saw from Rich Dad in chapter one, he's happy to surround himself with people more intelligent than him. Or what I'm saying in this case is more skilled than you maybe in a specific area. Cool. So right hemisphere moment. Investing in the science of money making money. This involves strategies and formulas which use the creative side of the brain. So this isn't all this is definitely not all hard cold numbers, guys, like we talked about, where like passion can drive you. Creativity comes from that same area. Subconscious moment. Understanding markets is the science of supply and demand. You need to know the technical aspects of the market, market, which are emotion-driven, in addition to the fundamental or economic aspects of the investment. So that one, what pops me first in my mind, and you know, I could kick myself going back uh, to not do it, is if you guys remember not that long ago, Tesla had a uh, the the chart. What's the chart called, Brandon? I'm sorry, I lost you on the audio. What, oh, what's that? that truck called? That the truck that Tesla did not that long ago. Oh yeah, no, I know what you're saying though. You're talking about the uh, them smashing the yeah, window. Yeah, so that's what I was going to get to. Anyway, so he's releasing the new truck, and they did a demo um, like at this big tech conference, and he, he got gets the kid to throw the metal balls at the at the truck, right? 
And until then, Tesla was like flying up, right? And it has been for a while. And um, he, the, the, the demo failed, basically. He busted the truck windows and right away stuff tanked. And I said, I was like, dude, watch Tesla stock tank from this and then zoom right back up. Because emotions, right? People are like, oh, shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, it failed. He's going he's gonna to fail, sell everything, right? What happened? It bounced yeah. right back up and people made a fortune. You got to think about this. Yep. Emotions do drive people's decisions. So they're just as important as being analytical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I'm going to run through some quotes here. Me and Brown just kind of go back and forth. So uh, uh, I'll give you the first one, Brandon. My rich dad just played the game smart. And he did it through corporations, the biggest secret of the rich. So I'll interrupt, though, even though I said that, Brandon. So this one, we didn't really get too much into the technical side of corporations. And that's not really what this book is about. It's more to just kind of get you thinking, um, you know, to head in that direction. And if this sparks anything, go Google it, guys. Go, And that will be a little homework. Look up what difference between a C corporation and an S corporation and an LLC. Go find a little extra info. Did you want to add anything to that? Um, you know, I, you know, look, man, I'm trying to stay on track here, uh, with the, you know, the formation of corporations, the, the self-improvement aspect of this part of me goes, part of me, part of me says, you know, there can only be so many bosses and then there has to be some workers. So the question is, can we all be bosses? Can we all form these corporations? You know, you guys might be the select few that, um, or, or, you know, a group of select individuals that that will be forming your own corporations and getting these, uh, you know, massive write-offs and, and um, spending before taxes. Can we all do it? That's to be seen. Does the system need to be changed? Absolutely. But um, as of right now, take advantage of this and uh, yeah, let's find out more, man. I'm, yeah. I'm curious about those books that he recommended earlier in the chapter for sure. Same, same. Okay. So I'll keep going then for now. The, the reality is that the rich are not taxed. It's the middle class who pays for the poor especially the educated upper income middle class. So yeah, we see that we already kind of got some examples of how you can, you know, get around taxation and in, in, in a way, didn't we already all know this guys? Like we get a little taste of it in the media, but isn't there something a little strange about the whole deal? Like obviously offshore bank accounts and, you know, umbrella corporations and all these crazy things. Like see the guys that the guys that have the money understand the money, right? They're playing that different game. Like I talked about, right? Right, right. And and is it no wonder that the middle class is currently shrinking? It's not really uh, you know, it's it's I I don't see it as a mystery. I know a lot of people don't. True. Yeah, that's a good point. And then this is the next one that goes right into it. Every time people try to punish the rich, the rich don't simply comply, they react. They have the money, power, and intent to change things. They don't just sit there and voluntarily pay more taxes. And the answer is is why would you? Right. Why would you if you yeah. if you grew yeah. that, especially if you grew that up from nothing, um, you you probably you're going to take advantage of what you can and, and more power to them. Right. And we we just got to even the playing field a little. That's what we're talking about here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And again, look at it like that bully taking your lunch money. Exactly. Why would you give the lunch money up every time? And then the next time it's they want more lunch money and more lunch money. And then they want, you know, it's just like, you know, yeah, yeah. You he wants that. two. You your got- bully wants two milks now, right? You better bring an extra quarter, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you're now you're giving your lunch money and the peanut butter and yeah. jelly sandwich. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's taking your sack lunch and your change, but um, this one's good too. And and remember here, guys, 
uh, your employer is not the enemy. Your boss is not the enemy. If you need to make a change, you take your own personal, you know, accountability and you make the change. Don't blame your boss. So if you work for money, you give the power to your employer. If money works for you, you keep the power and control it. Start making those little changes, guys. A person who understands the tax advantage and protections provided by a corporation can get rich so much faster than someone who is an employee or a small business sole proprietor. It's like the difference between someone walking and someone flying. So I, I was saying they're playing a different game. He's likening it to you know someone on the ground and someone up in the air. Either way, you can kind of get the point. It, it's just two different playing fields. It, it, you're, you got to get, we got to get there. We got to get there so we can even start to play the same game and then we'll learn the rules. Right. What do you think, man? Yeah. You know, when I, um, when, when we're going through these quotes, I keep thinking, you know, a big part of what you can affect immediately is living lean, yeah. live lean, man, cut out unnecessary costs, cut out these, uh, these unnecessary liabilities, see where you can't pinch some pennies. We're not all rolling in dough right now. Believe me, there's a, we have a long ways to go, all of us. The thing is, is what can you do with what you have now? That's the question you need to be asking. Of course, in the future, there could be big things. You make smart business decisions. You, you, know, you make big moves. Absolutely. That's a real possibility. But what can you do with what you have right now? Yeah, that was a big one. Last episode was talking about personal accountability and, and some hard truths like, What's your, what's your Starbucks, right guys? And a lot of you, your Starbucks, your, a lot of you, your Starbucks is Starbucks probably, but think about that. And you start to add it up. You're, you're, spe- you're spending your children's inheritance on coffee. I don't mean to get too macro with it, but like that money, if it's not growing, it's dying. Right. Oh yeah. You could, I mean, we always talk about accruing interest, whether it's negative or positive on almost everything, right? You're exactly right, man. You're, you're, you're essentially spending generational wealth. Not a lot of people think of it that way. In fact, I know there's times, you know, I've, I've been spending on stuff and there's no way I've been. Spending, but, you know, for sure. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what's your favorite quote? Uh, employees earn and get taxed and they try to live on what is left a corporation earns spends everything it can and is taxed on anything that is left it's one of the biggest legal tax loopholes that the rich use so obviously this is good stuff to think about guys it's not like something well monday i'm going to get my corporation started and, and start getting these tax breaks obviously that's silly but it is something to keep in mind and start thinking like they do Start thinking like they do, because sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in their shoes. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Start thinking write-offs, guys. Start thinking, uh, you know, start thinking of yourself as a businessman or woman and start thinking of yourself as uh, an entrepreneur and uh, yeah, start thinking write-offs. Awesome. No, dude, I, I, I thought this was a great chapter. Um, it hit on taxes and corporations. Obviously there's, there's whole books on either of those topics and we just have, you know, a chapter here, but, uh, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, yeah, there is. Yep. Cool. Anything you want to add on that? Any last final thoughts before we sign off today? Man, that was a little long winded. We appreciate you guys. You know, I'm passionate about this. Mike is, I'm sure you guys are. It's hard not to be, you know, it's hard not to be passionate about this, uh, 
No one likes getting bullied. Everyone's hungry at lunchtime. They want to eat what they got to eat. You know what I mean? Right. So don't give that bully your lunch money if you don't right. have. Yeah, keep what you got. Like I said, if you're if you're starting by just cutting out your Starbucks out of your week, you know, put it aside. Uh, start looking for small investments like everything. Like we talked a little bit about gold last week, you know. Uh, you know, do it smartly. Do your research. But start with you and start really thinking like, what can I do different right now, today, tomorrow? What can I do now and start building on it? Because that, what, what is it? First thing to build a skyscraper, right? What do we talk about? Pour the foundation. Pour a solid foundation and then build it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it, man. Awesome. Love so, it. yeah. Thanks again, guys. This was episode four of Here's Me podcast. Uh, huge, huge shout out to Brandon. Thank you for joining us again. Everyone really loves you being on here. Awesome, man. Thank you. And yeah, it's a pleasure being on here. I look forward to doing some in the future. For All right. Sure. Thank you guys. And again, as always, feedback is very welcome. And uh, yeah, keep us come, keep it coming because you know, whatever we can, we're going to put back to you. We just want to make sure we have the best thing we can deliver. So. Awesome. All right. Take till care, next time. Guys. Bye. Take-